You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium on Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the Nanjing Massacre. Over to you, Mark. The Nanjing Massacre, or otherwise known as the Rape of Nanjing, involved the mass murder of Chinese civilians in Nanjing, in the capital of the Republic of China. The incident happened immediately after the Battle of Nanking in the Second Sino-Japanese War by the Imperial Japanese Army. It began on the 13th of December 1937 with the massacre itself lasting for up to six weeks. The perpetrators of this massacre also committed other war crimes, such as mass rape, looting and arson. This massacre has remained a a wedge issue, a very divisive political issue between modern China and Japan with historical revisionists and nationalists in Japan being accused of minimising or even denying the event. The massacre is considered to be one of the worst wartime atrocities. Greetings, unexplainers. Thank you for tuning in again and listening to another answer to the darker side of life that is Mark's unexplained world. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a nyctophile, and in my dreams I am a nyctophilic. So please see a dictionary for their meanings. In this episode, I'm going to tell you the very dark story surrounding the Nanjing Massacre. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This story is a tale that sadly involves war violence and human atrocities, so may prove very upsetting to some. As usual, you listen at your own discretion, with all opinions and comments being strictly my own, but the facts of the case still remain. Again, I also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly. You would think that by now I would choose a case that had words in it that I could pronounce, but hey, I like a challenge. But anyway, let's get back to the story. According to Wikipedia, Nanjing, or alternatively known as Nankin, is the capital of the Jingsu province of the People's Republic of China. It is also known as a sub-provincial city and a megacity. The city has 11 districts, with a population of 9,423,400 people as of 2021. Situated in the Yangtze River Delta region, Nanjing has a prominent place in Chinese history and culture. It had served as the capital of various Chinese dynasties, kingdoms and republic 
sorry, Republican governments dating back from the 3rd century to 1949. Nanjing, being the home to one of the world's largest inland ports, has long been a major centre of culture, education, research, politics, economy, transport networks and tourism. The city is also one of the 15 sub-provincial cities in the People's Republic of China's administrative structure, enjoying jurisdictional and economic autonomy only slightly less than that of one of China's other 22 provinces. Nanjing has been ranked 7th in the evaluation of cities with strongest comprehensive strength issued by the National Statistics Bureau. It was also ranked second in the evaluation of cities with most substantial development potential in the Yangtze River Delta. And in 2008, it was awarded the titles of the Habitat Scroll of Honour of China the Special UN, UN sorry, Habitat Scroll of Honour Award and the award for being a national civilised city. Nanjing is also considered what's known as a beta or global second tier city. And together with Chongqing, Hanzhou and Tianjin, it is ranked as one of the world's top 100 cities in the Global Financial Centers Index. In the August of 1937, when the Japanese army invaded Shanghai, they were met with strong resistance and suffered with multiple heavy casualties. The Battle of Shanghai was bloody, with both sides facing attrition in urban hand-to-hand -hand combat. By mid-November, with the help of naval and aerial bombardment, the Japanese had captured Shanghai. Due to the high casualties incurred during the Battle of Shanghai and the low morale of the troops, the General Staff Headquarters in Tokyo initially decided not to expand the war. However, on the 1st of December 1937, the headquarters ordered the Central China Area Army and the 10th Army to capture Nanjing, the then capital of the Republic of China. After losing the Battle of Shanghai, military leader Xiang Kai-shek knew that the fall of Nanjing was only a matter of time. Xiang Kai-shek and his staff realised that they could not risk the annihilation of their elite troops in a symbolic but hopeless defence of the then capital. So, to prevent his army for future battles, most, sorry, is it result? To preserve the army for future battles, my apologies, most of the troops were withdrawn. Cheyenne Kaishek's strategy was to follow the suggestion of his German advisers and try to draw the Japanese army deep into China and use 
China's vast territory as a defensive strength. Xiang Kai-shek's plan was to fight a protected war of attrition, so as to wear down the Japanese in the hinterland of China. In a press release to, the, to foreign reporters, Chinese warlord Tang Shanzi announced that the city of Nanjing would never surrender and would fight to the death. Tang Shanzi gathered about 100,000 soldiers, most of them being largely untrained. This also included Chinese troops who had participated in the Battle of Shanghai. The Chinese government left for relocation on the 1st of December 1937, and the president, Ma Kocham, left on the 7th of December, leaving the fate of Nanjing to an international committee led by German national John Rabe. The Japanese army had pushed quickly through China after capturing Shanghai, and by early 1937 it was on the outskirts of Nanjing. The speed of the Japanese army's advance was likely due to commanders allowing looting and rape along the way. On the 5th of December 1937, Prince Yasuhiku Asaka was installed as Japanese commander of the campaign. Whether Prince Yasuhuku Asaka ordered the rape or simply stood by as it happened is disputed, but he took no action to stop the carnage. As the Japanese army approached, the Chinese army withdrew the bulk of its forces since Nanjing was no longer in a defensible position. After this first short break, in part two, we will look at more details of the carnage caused by the Japanese army's advance to Nanjing. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE101AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for
for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app available on both iOS and Android for only £3.99 to keep up to date with what is coming up at the centre. Although the Yanjing massacre is generally described as having occurred over a six-week period, after the fall of Nanjing, the crimes committed by the Japanese army were not limited to just that one six-week period. There were many atrocities that were reported to have been committed by the Japanese army as they advanced from Shanghai to Nanjing. These crimes included, but were not limited to, rape, arson and even murder. The 170 miles between Shanghai and Nanjing were described as, and I quote, A nightmarish zone of death and destruction. Japanese planes would frequently attack repeatedly with bombs or machine gun fire from low-flying aircraft at unarmed farmers and refugees, just for fun. Also, along the journey, many Chinese civilians were subjected to extreme violence and brutality. One example of this was when a building was set on fire with many of its inhabitants being actually locked inside. Another case involved two women being raped repeatedly, whilst one of them was very heavily pregnant. And not only that, but after raping them both, the soldiers then cut open the belly of the pregnant woman and gouged out the fetus. Also, a crying two-year-old boy was wrestled from his mother's arms and thrown into a fire, while the mother and the remaining villagers were bayoneted and thrown into a creek. Many of the Chinese civilians committed suicide with two girls who, rather than go to the horror of their fellow villagers, decided to deliberately drown themselves. According to one Japanese journalist, who was embedded in the imperial forces at the time, said, and I quote, The reason that the 10th Army is advancing to Nanjing quite rapidly is due to the tacit consent among the officers and men that they could loot and rape as they wish. In the novel Living Soldiers by Tatsuzo Ishikawa, he vividly describes how the 16th Division of the Shanghai Expeditionary Force committed atrocities on the march between Shanghai and Nanjing. The novel itself was based on interviews that Tatsuzo Ishikawa conducted with the troops in Nanjing back in 1938. Perhaps the most notorious atrocity 
was a killing competition between the two Japanese officers, as reported in the Tokyo Nikiniki Shimbun and the English language Japan advertiser in the year 1937. The two Japanese officers were named Toshiaiki Mukai and Suyoshi Noda, both of the Japanese 16th Division. The contest went something like this. The race was set up between the two Japanese officers to see who could kill 100 people first using only a sword. This race, and yes I have put the word race in inverted commas, was covered much like a sporting event with regular updates on the score over a series of days. From the city of Jurong to Shangshan, the scores were Toshakai Mukai killing 89 people and Tsuyoshi Noda had killed 78. As neither of the Japanese officers had managed to kill 100 people, it was decided that the contest should continue. By the time the two Japanese officers had arrived at Zing Mountain, Sayoshi Noda had killed 105 people, while Oshika Makai had killed 106 people. As both officers had supposedly surpassed their goal during the heat of the battle, it made it impossible to determine which officer had actually won the contest. Therefore, they decided to begin another contest. Only this time, the total people to kill was 150. In Japan, in 1967, the veracity of the newspaper articles about the contest was the subject of ferocious debate for many decades. With the relocation of the capital of China and the reports of Japanese brutality, most of Nanjing's civilian—sorry, I'll try that one again. Sorry, most of Nanjing's civilian population fled purely out of fear. Wealthy families were the first to flee, leaving their homes in automobiles, followed by the evacuation of the middle class and then the poor, while only the destitute lower class, such as the ethnic tanker boat people remained behind. Before the Japanese troops had arrived at Nanjing, three quarters of the population had fled. There were many Westerners still residing in the city at the time of the Japanese invasion, conducting either trade or missionary trips. However, as the Japanese army approached Nanjing, most of them fled from the city, leaving just 27 foreigners. Five of these foreigners were journalists who remained in the city for a few days after it was captured and then they finally left on the 16th of December. So, 15 of the remaining 22 foreigners decided to form a committee and they called it the International Committee for the Nanking Safety Zone, an area of 3.85 square kilometres 
in the western quarter of the city with the aforementioned German businessman and Nazi party member John Rabe as its elected leader. In part because of his status as a member of the Nazi party and the existence of the German-Japanese bilateral anti-Comintern pact. And on an interesting side note, the anti-Comintern pact, or officially known as the Agreement Against the Communist International as an anti-communist pact, concluded between the Nazi Germany and the Empire of Japan on the 25th of November 1936, and was directed against the Communist International. It was signed by German Ambassador-at-Large Jochen von Rippertrop and Japanese Ambassador to Germany Kintomo Mushinakoji. Later on, when Italy joined in 1937, it was legally recognised as an original signatory by the terms of its entry. Spain and Hungary joined in 1939, and other countries joined, world, joined during World War II. Sorry. The Japanese government had previously agreed not to attack parts of the city that did not contain Chinese military forces and the members of the Nanking Safety Zone Committee managed to persuade the Chinese government to move their troops out of the area. The Nanking Safety Zone was demarcated through the use of Red Cross flags. And on another interesting side note, the organised international Red Cross and Red Crescent movement is a humanitarian movement with approximately 16 million volunteers, members and staff worldwide. It was founded to protect human life and health, to ensure respect for all human beings and to prevent and alleviate human suffering. Within it there are three distinct organisations that are legally independent from each other, but are united within the movement through common basic principles, objectives, symbols, statuses and governing organisations. A Christian ministry, sorry I'll try that one again, sorry. A Christian missionary, Mini Vautrin, who established the Ginling Girls College in Nankin, which was within the aforementioned established safety zone during the massacre, worked tirelessly in welcoming thousands of female refugees to stay in the college campus, eventually sheltering up to 10,000 women. The Japanese troops pursued the retreating Chi Chinese army units, primarily in the Zukon area to the north of the Nanjing city walls and around the Zizin mountains in the east. Although most sources have suggested that the final phase of the battle consisted of a one-sided slaughter of Chinese troops by the Japanese, some Japanese historians maintain that the remaining Chinese military still posed a serious threat to the Japanese troops. Prince 
Yasuhiku Asaka, who was leading the campaign into Nanjing, told a war correspondent later that he was in a very perilous position when his headquarters were ambushed by Chinese forces that were in the midst of fleeing from, sorry, from the east of the city. On the other side of the city, the 11th Company of the Japanese Forces 45th Regiment encountered some 20,000 Chinese soldiers who were making their way from Zayakwon. Once inside Nanjing, the Japanese army conducted its mopping up operation on both sides, inside and outside the safety zone. Inside, sorry, since the area outside the safety zone had been almost completely evacuated, the mopping up effort was concentrated inside the safety zone, which was packed with the remaining population of Nanjing. The Japanese army leadership then assigned sections of the safety zone to some units to separate alleged plain-clothed Chinese soldiers from the civilians. Many innocent men were misidentified and killed. The total number of Chinese soldiers in plain clothes that were executed is estimated to be around 4,000. After this second short break, in part three, we will look at the Nanjing Massacre itself and its repercussions. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts and exclusive invitation-only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07 852 998 628 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future. They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights, Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do.
From the 13th of December 1937, the Japanese army engaged in random murder, wartime rape, looting, arson and other war crimes. During the first three weeks, the crimes were very intense. However, the massacre continued for up to six weeks. In a diary entry from the 5th of December 1937, from the aforementioned Christian missionary Minnie Vautrin, she wrote about her experience in the safety zone. She said, and I quote, The Japanese have looted widely, yesterday and today, have destroyed schools, have killed citizens and raped women. 1,000 disarmed Chinese soldiers, whom the International Committee hoped to save, were taken from them and by this time are probably shot or bayoneted. In our South Hill house, Japanese broke the panel of the storeroom and took out some old fruit juice and a few other things. The International Military Tribunal for the Far East estimated that 20,000 women, including some children and the elderly, were raped during the occupation, with Yale University claiming over 80,000 rapes. A large number of rapes were done systematically by the Japanese soldiers as they went from door to door, searching for girls, with many women being captured and gang-raped. The women were often killed immediately after being raped, often through explicit mutilation, such as being penetrated in the vagina with bayonets, long sticks of bamboo or other objects. On the 19th of December 1937, the Reverend James M. McCullum wrote in his diary and I quote, I know not where to end. Never have I heard or read such brutality. Rape, rape, rape. We estimate at least 1,000 cases a night and many by the day. In case of resistance or anything that seems like disapproval, there is a bayonet stab or a, or a bullet. People are hysterical. Women are being carried off every morning, afternoon and evening. The whole Japanese army seems to be free to go and come as it pleases and to do whatever it pleases. On the 7th of March 1938, Robert O. Wilson, a surgeon at the University Hospital in the safety zone administered by the United States, wrote in a letter to his family and I quote, A conservative estimate of people slaughtered in cold blood is, is somewhere about 100,000, including, of course, thousands of soldiers that had thrown down their arms. In a documentary film about the Nanjing massacre called In the Name of the Emperor, a former Japanese soldier named Shiro Azuma spoke openly and candidly about the process of rape and murder in Nanjing. He said, and I quote, At first we, uh, we used some kinky words like uh, pikankan, pi uh, mean hip, kankan mean look, pikankan means let's see a woman open up her legs. Chinese women didn't wear underpants. Instead, 
They wore trousers tied with string. Uh, there was no belt. As we pulled the string, the buttocks were exposed. We pick a can. We looked. After a while, we would say something like, uh, It's my day to take a bath. And we took turns raping them. It would be all right if we only raped them. I shouldn't say all right, but we always stabbed and killed them because dead bodies don't talk. The author of the book, Rape of Nanjing, Irish Chang, wrote one of the most comprehensive accounts of the Japanese war atrocities in China. In her book, she estimated that the number of Chinese women raped by Chinese soldiers ranged from... Sorry? Japanese. Oh, I do apologise. Sorry. I'll do that one again. In her book, she estimated that the number of Chinese women raped by Japanese soldiers ranged from 20,000 to 80,000 victims. Irish Chang also states that not all the rape victims were women and that some Chinese men were sodomised and forced to perform repulsive sex acts. There are also accounts of Japanese troops coercing families into committing incestuous acts. For example, sons were forced to rape their mothers, fathers their daughters, brothers their sisters, while other family members would be forced to watch. The death toll of civilians is difficult to precisely calculate due to the many bodies deliberately burnt, buried in mass graves, or dumped into the Yangtze River. Physician Robert O. Wilson testified that cases of gun wounds, and I quote, continue to come into the hospital of the University of Nanjing for a matter of some six or seven weeks following the fall of the city on December the 13th, 1937. The capacity of the hospital was normally 180 beds, and this was kept full to overflowing during this entire period. The massacre at Nanjing has been described as genocide, given the fact that the residents were still slaughtered en masse during the aftermath, despite the successful and certain outcome of the battle. However, Opponents of this opinion do not believe that the Nanjing atrocities should be considered a genocide because only prisoners of war were executed in a systematic manner and the targeting of civilians was sporadic and done without orders. In a diary entry from the 13th of December 1937, Safety Zone Coordinator John Raid wrote, and I quote, it is not until we tore the city that we learned the extent of the destruction. We came across corpses every 100 to 200 yards. The bodies of civilians that I examined had bullet holes in their backs. These people had presumably been fleeing and were shot from behind. The Japanese marched through the city in groups of 10 to 20 soldiers and loot the shops. I watched with my own eyes as they looted the cafe of our German baker, Herr Kessling. Hempel's hotel was broken into as well, as was almost every shop on Changshang and Taoping Road.
shortly after the surrender of Japan. The primary officers in charge of the Japanese troops at Nanjing were put on trial. General Matsui was indicted before the International Military Tribunal of the Far East for deliberately and recklessly ignoring his legal duty and failure to take adequate steps to secure the observance and prevent breaches of the Hague Convention. And yes, you guessed it, it's another interesting side bit. The Hague Convention of 1899 and 1907 are a series of international treaties and declarations negotiated at two international peace conferences at The Hague in the Netherlands. Along with the Geneva Conventions, the Hague Conventions were among the first formal statements of the laws of war and war crimes in the body of secular international law. Both conferences included negotiations concerning disarmament, the laws of war and war crimes. Other Japanese military leaders in charge at the time of the Nanjing Massacre were not tried. Prince Kan Kitohito, who was the chief of staff of the Imperial Japanese Army during the Nanjing Massacre, had died before the end of the war in May 1945. Prince Asaka was granted immunity because of his status as a member of the Imperial family. Isamu Cho, who was the aide to Prince Asako and whom some historians believe issued to kill all captives memo, had, com had committed seppuku, or ritual suicide, during the Battle of Okinawa. The Battle of Okinawa, codenamed Operation Iceberg, was a battle of the Pacific War fought on the island of Okinawa by the United States Army and the United States Marine Corps forces against the Imperial Japanese Army. The initial invasion of Okinawa was on the 1st of April 1945 and was the largest amphibious assault in the, sorry, in the Pacific of World War II. Instead of punishing the Japanese troops who were responsible for the carnage, murders and the rape of Nanjing, the Japanese Expeditionary Force in central China issued an order to set up comfort houses during this period of time. On another interesting side note, comfort houses were first established in Shanghai after the Shanghai incident in 1932. They were put together as a response to the wholesale rape of Chinese women by Japanese soldiers. The chief of staff in Shanghai, Yasaji Okamura, ordered the construction of comfort houses to prevent further rape. After the rapes of many Chinese women by Japanese troops during the Nanjing Massacre in 1937, the Japanese forces adopted the general policy of creating comfort stations in various places in Japanese-occupied Chinese territory. It is claimed, and, and I quote, not because of their concern for the Chinese victims of rape by Japanese soldiers, but because of their fear of creating antagonism amongst the Chinese civilians. According to Yoshiaki, sorry, I'll try that one again, Yoshiaki Yoshimi, 
Comfort stations were established to avoid criticism from China, the United States of America and Europe following the case of massive rates between battles and Shanghai and Nanjing. As Japan continued military expansion, the military found itself short of Japanese volunteers and so turned to local populations, abducting and coercing women into serving as sex slaves in the comfort stations. Many women responded to calls to work as factory workers or nurses and did not know that they were being pressed into sexual slavery. In the late January of 1938, the Japanese army forced all refugees in the safety zone to return home, immediately claiming to have restored order. After the establishment of the collaborating government in 1938, order was gradually restored to Nanjing and the atrocities by, J by Japanese troops lessened considerably. And on the 18th of February 1938, the International Committee for the Nanking Safety Zone was forcibly renamed the Nanjing International Rescue Committee. And the safety zone effectively ceased to function with the last refugee camps closing in the May of 1938. In 1947, the two officers responsible for the contest to kill 100 people, Toshiaki Mukai and Sayoshi Noda, were both arrested and extradited to China. They were tried by the Nanjing War Crimes Tribunal. On trial with them was Gonchiki, sorry, I don't want to try one again, was Gunkichi Tonaka, who was a captain from the 6th Division who personally killed over 300 Chinese POWs and civilians with his sword during the massacre. All three men were found guilty of war crimes and sentenced to death. Together, on the 28th of January 1948, they were all executed by shooting. On the 12th of November 1948, Japanese diplomat, politician and general Koki Hirota and General Aiwain Matsui, along with five other convicted Class A war criminals, were sentenced to death by hanging. Eighteen others received lesser sentences. The death sentence imposed on Koki Hirota, a six to five decision by the eleven judges, shocked the general public and prompted a petition on his behalf, which soon gathered over 300,000 signatures. However, this did not succeed in commuting the minister's sentence. So all seven men were hanged on the 23rd of December, 1948. On the 50th anniversary of the surrender of Japan, on the 15th of August 1995, the Japanese Prime Minister, Tomichi Moriyama, gave the first formal apology for the Japanese actions during the war.
he offered his apology to all survivors and to the relatives and friends of the victims. On that day, the Japanese Emperor Akihito pronounced statements of mourning at the indoor arena located in Kyoto, Tokyo's Nippon Budokan. Irish Chang, who was the author of the book The Rape of Nanjing, criticised the Japanese Prime Minister Tomichi Muriyama for not providing the written apology that had been expected by the Chinese public. She said that the people of China, and I quote, don't believe that an unequivalent and severe apology, apology has ever been made by Japan to China. She also believed that a written apology from Japan would send a better message to the international community. In December 2007, the government of China published the names of 13,000 people who were killed by Japanese troops in the Nanjing Massacre. According to the Xinhua News Agency, which translates to the uh, New China News Agency, it is the most complete record to date. The report consists of eight volumes and was released to mark the 70th anniversary of the start of the Nanjing Massacre. It also lists the Japanese army units that were responsible for each of the deaths and states the way in which the victims were killed. Editor-in-chief of the report, Zhang Zhuenwen, states that the information collected was based on, and I quote, a combination of Chinese, Japanese and Western raw materials, which is objective and just and is able to stand the trial of history. This report forms part of a 55-volume series with historical materials regarding the Nanjing Massacre. There is no obvious explanation for this dark period in China and Japan's history, and I doubt any explanation will ever be found. The war clearly had no goal or purpose. The Japanese soldiers had originally expected an easy victory, but instead they ended up fighting for months and had taken heavy casualties during their campaign. I did read that one of the theories behind this massacre was due to boredom, that and being frustrated, angry and tired. Remember, and I must stress that this is in no way an excuse for the Japanese soldiers' actions, the women of Nanjing were undefended, with their husbands, brothers and uncles all powerless or absent. So I suppose this made the women and girls regardless of their age, already marked out as victims. Another possible reason for this massacre is blamed on the dehumanization of the Chinese people in the Japanese education system. Japanese soldier Shiro Azuma testified in a 1998 interview, and I quote, When I tried to cut off the first one, Either the farmer moved or I, I misaimed. I ended up slicing off just part of his skull. Blood spurted everywhere. Upwards. I swung again. And this time I killed him. We were taught that we were a superior race. 
since we lived only for the sake of a human god, our emperor. But the Chinese were not. So, so we held nothing but contempt for them. There were many rapes, and the women were always killed. When they were being raped, the women were human. But when the rape was finished, they became pig's flesh. In 1985, the Nanjing Massacre Memorial Hall was built by the Nanjing Municipal Government in remembrance of the victims and to raise awareness of the Nanjing Massacre. It is located near a site where a thousand where sorry I'll do that one again. It is located near a site where thousands of bodies were buried, called the Pit of Ten Thousand Corpses. And on the 13th of December 2014, China held its first Nanjing Massacre Memorial Day. And on the 9th of October 2015, documents of the Nanjing Massacre have been listed on the UNESCO Memory of the World Register. And on our last but sad side note, the UNESCO's Memory of the World Programme is an international initiative launched to safeguard the documentary heritage of humanity against collective amnesia, neglect, decay over time and climatic conditions, as well as deliberate destruction. It calls for the preservation of valuable archival holdings, library collections and private individual compendia all over the world for posterity, the reconstitution of dispersed or displaced documentary heritage and increased accessibility to and dissemination of these items. As of December 2016, there is a total of 10,615 Nanjing Massacre victims' names inscribed on a memorial wall. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show 76, we are going to be looking at the Highway of Tears. The Highway of Tears is a 719 kilometre corridor of Highway 16 between Prince George and Prince Rupert in the British Columbia, Canada, which has been location of crimes against many missing and murdered indigenous women beginning in the 1970s. To date, a number of people have been convicted in cases related to the Highway of Tears. Amongst them are three serial killers who have been charged. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pooler. With special thanks, go, uh, sorry, with special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinckley. And a big thanks to everyone for listening. Mark's Unexplained World, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember guys, keep it real, because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium.